Well, greetings from me. My name is Phil Wilthew and I'm recording this in Bedford. Uh, apologies if this is slightly echoey because I'm recording this in a friend's kitchen. Uh, no one else is in the kitchen, it's just me. Uh, but I am so uh, happy to just get a chance to share a few uh, thoughts with you from the Word of God today. And those of you that haven't met me, I'm part of a church called the King's Arms Church in Bedford. Uh, the King's Arms, uh, it sounds like a pub, but it is actually a church. It uh, started uh, 25 years ago with an outreach to the homeless and trying to reach rough sleepers and uh, out of that got birthed the church, which is uh, now going strong today. In fact, one time we had these special signs called King's Arms made for outside of our church building. And we only got to use them for one week before they were stolen. Now, there's a pub down the road that's got some great looking signs and got my suspicions. Uh, so I am uh, really grateful to be able to share some thoughts with you today. And uh, also just to add my welcome to you as a church for joining the Catalyst family, uh, of which I'm a part. I help to serve on the Catalyst team uh, that helps to support churches that we're partnering with around the world. And it's just honestly a real honor to welcome you guys in. And just to say it's been uh, beautiful getting to know uh, John and Neil and other guys on your team and I'm very much looking forward to meeting you as a church community at some point, hopefully in the not too distant future. So welcome, guys. It really is honestly a privilege and an honor to be partnering together and to really see what God will do in our partnership. And really, when we're part of a wider apostolic family beyond just our local church, we really do believe that we can achieve more together than we can apart that there's great power in team, there's great power in friendship, there's great power in being on mission together. And so today I thought I would just share a few thoughts about priorities in an apostolic family. So when you're part of a bigger global family that is partnering together, what are some of the priorities? What is it that we're trying to do together? So I thought I'd try and share just five things that in the Catalyst family and as an apostolic family, we are looking to do together. Um, and to help us, we're going to look in the Word of God at Romans chapter 15, where the Apostle Paul starts to describe some of his apostolic priorities for the church. So we're going to go where he began and we're going to read in Romans 15 and we're going to start in verse 14. And here's the first apostolic priority we see of Paul. It was to produce healthy, mature, naturally reproducing disciples and churches. That was his first priority. And we read this in verse 14 of Romans 15. He says, I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge and competent to instruct one another. Here we just see the hint of Paul's apostolic priority, which was to create healthy, mature churches, healthy, mature believers that were competent to instruct one another. In a sense, Paul's desire was to almost do himself out of a job and to raise mighty men and women who knew how to follow Christ and make him known in the world. This was Paul's goal, actually, and it was the fruit of his apostolic ministry. Now, just a word on that just a note on that word apostle, apostolic. What do we actually mean when we say apostolic? Well, 
Apostolic, apostolos, the Greek word simply means sent one. And so an apostle was someone who was sent from someone to do something. An apostle sent from someone to do something. And so the apostle Paul is sent from Jesus to do something. And in, in this instance, he is there to create healthy disciples wherever he planted churches around the Mediterranean. And, you know, ultimately, this is our goal as an apostolic family is to create healthy disciples. Because ultimately, parenting is the art of doing yourself out of a job. We recently in our family, this last sort of six months, my son, who was 19 years old, he left home for the first time. He moved out. He moved in with some friends uh, in the area. And it was uh, it was an emotion filled moment for us as parents. And those of you that have had that experience will know what that's like. He was the first one of our children to leave home. And honestly, I've, I've not cried so much in an awful long time. I, I cried on and off for several weeks because, you know, not, I, I love him, but he's also one of my closest friends. And it just felt like an end of an era and an end of season. And, I, you know, part of me felt devastated. And we sat on the sofa on that last evening as we said goodbye to him and waved him off in his car and, you know, we cried together. We prayed together. He'd written us a song. I mean, it was like full of emotion. But mixed in with that was also that sense as a parent of this is the fruit of healthy parenting, because ultimately our children will leave because the goal is to equip them for life. The goal is to equip them so that they can go and make powerful decisions and choices in the world and go and be salt and light where God has placed them. And so actually, although it was a moment of sadness, it was also a moment of celebration. And this was Paul's apostolic heart was to create healthy people, healthy disciples who are mature and strong and able to follow Christ. And I remember once listening to a uh, a pastor of mine in Brighton years ago where I grew up called John Hosier. And I remember once hearing John say what his main motivation as a pastor was in the church. And he said, that's easy. It's Colossians 1, 28, which says this, Jesus is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy of Christ that works so powerfully in me. And John Osier said, that's my motivation as a pastor, is to present everyone fully mature in Christ. And I'm going to give all my energy to that. And that's it. You know, and actually in an apostolic family, it's far more than just numbers and salvation and increase and spreading out to the right and the left that that is important and we'll talk about that in a moment but ultimately apostolic apostolic priority is about culture it's about who we are it's about the kind of people that we're producing that we're producing big people on the inside who've who've put to death their insecurities and their fear and their competition and their jealousy and their need for for a platform and their need for significance from other places. Mature people who know their identity in Christ, who know that they're loved, who know that salvation has come as a gift, who are living joy-filled lives, who are naturally 
actually growing in honor and learning how to forgive one another and learning what it is to to show Jesus in the way that they live. Apostolic priority is about culture, is about who we are on the journey. That was Paul's heart. He wanted to produce mature people. And so I wonder how you guys are doing on that right now. Do you feel like that is still a priority? Would you say you're growing in God as a person? Even in this strange old season that we're living in, are you growing on the inside? You may feel like you're getting less less done, or some of you may feel like you're having to get more done. But a real key question is, are you growing on the inside? Are you growing in love with him? Are you growing in love with your neighbor? Are you growing as a person? Because this is a fruit of apostolic ministry. Second priority we see in verse 15. Paul writes, Yet I've written to you quite boldly on some points to remind you of them again because of the grace God gave me to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. He gave me the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Here again, I think we see one of Paul's apostolic priorities, which was about releasing, recognizing and releasing multiplied gifts with authority. Paul here says that he has been made a competent minister to the Gentiles. He was called by God to be an apostle and that this wasn't his own doing. He didn't go to apostle school. He didn't get a certificate. He didn't go on an online e-course. He didn't flick on YouTube how to become an apostle. No, no, no. He says, actually, God called me as an apostle. He gave me a gift, which now I am working out in my life. I am a minister. I've been made a minister to the Gentiles. And ultimately, we believe that God calls men and women. He calls people and he gives them the gifts of his Holy Spirit that they might walk in the calling that God has prepared for them. And we see all sorts of different descriptions of those types of gift in the Bible. Ephesians 4 verse 11 would be one classic example. It says there that in the church, Christ gave first apostles, prophets, teachers, uh, evangelists, pastors and teachers to equip God's people for works of service. God gives gifted men and women to get his people ready, to equip them, to train them, to, to support them. And this, again, is an apostolic priority, is to see a, a massive multiplication of gifted men and women, to raise up spiritual giants, to see people fly in their calling. You know, and I've loved seeing that in this last little season with all of its strangeness. Just one friend, for example, on the weekends that we went into the very first lockdown in March, we were due to have our leaders weekend as a church family, and we cancelled it and we made that hard call and one of my friends uh, who would have been there thought to himself what could I do with this time that I now have now I think a lot of people may have been thinking great I've got a weekend off I'm going to chill I'm going to relax but my friend asked God this question God what would you like me to do with this time that I now unexpectedly have and God gave him an idea and he picked up the phone and he called 30 church leaders around the nation and he asked them what are the needs of the church right now and these were church leaders from all sorts of different denominations and backgrounds and from those 30 calls that weekend 
He set up a brand new charity called YourNeighbor.org, which now has 1,300 churches working together in partnership to uh, meet some of the crisis and the poverty needs that are arising from COVID. And suddenly my friend now has a seat around the table with government ministers, with faith leaders in our communities. He's become a national voice for change. How? Simply because he listened to God and he carried out what God had called him to do. And suddenly you see the fruit of that simple act. And this is what we believe. God is raising up mighty men and women who fulfill the call of God on their life. And I do believe for you as a church, as, as a church in High Wycombe, that God is calling you into a fresh season of release and deployment of gifted people, that you would raise up many spiritual giants. And, you know, it's often been with a sense of sadness through the years that you notice some of the most gifted people in church often end up leaving because there's no room for them anymore to grow in the local church. And that, that is a sad position to be because the church should be an absolute red hot training environment and deployment center and a wide open space for gifted men and women to grow and to be strong and to carry out what God has called them to do. And so I would just encourage you, if you have a calling from God, that this is a moment to lean into that. And to ask God, what have you called me to do and how can I fulfill that calling? Thirdly, third apostolic priority is we see disciples and churches moving in the power of the Spirit. Disciples and churches moving in the power of the Spirit. Paul says in verse 17, Therefore I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done, by the power of signs and wonders, through the power of the Holy Spirit, so that from Jerusalem all the way round to Illyricum, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. Now, we don't have many snappy, clear descriptions of what an apostle does. But perhaps one of our clearest descriptions is found in 2 Corinthians 2.12, where Paul says, the true marks of an apostle, signs, wonders and miracles were performed amongst you with great perseverance. One of the clear marks of being in an apostolic family is that there is an increase of Holy Spirit power that we are not just a, a show up and watch people, but we are a show and tell people. We're a people that says, Jesus is alive. Let me show you. And I'm currently reading a book called Church Planting Movements that is exploring some of the places in the world where God is moving most rapidly and powerfully in the world. And often it's developing world contexts. And the author of the book comments this, that most people in those environments meet Jesus as healer before they meet him as saviour. In other words, they see his power at work before they put their trust in him and decide to follow him. And this, of course, is the biblical model of the gospel. The gospel is good news in both deed and word, demonstration and declaration. And Paul, as an apostle, was concerned that his churches were moving in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I would suggest to you that apostolic order without apostolic power is 
quite frankly, to be questioned. It's very easy to look apostolic on a website and to have a nice list of values and have a nice strategy statement and a nice mission statement and have it all kind of buttoned up and neatly tied together. But ultimately, order without power is like having a fireplace without fire. The reason that you have a fireplace is because you want the fire. You know, Jesus said, you know, you need a wineskin that can contain the wine. And the important thing is not the wineskin, but the wine. And so we get the culture, we get the environment of our hearts and our churches right. The wineskin, the fireplace, we get that right. But the reason we get that right is because, God, we want you to move in the power of the Holy Spirit. We want you to come and show yourself as the risen king. And an apostolic priority and catalyst is very much that we be people moving in the power of the Holy Spirit, that we be believing God for miracles, believing God for impossible breakthroughs. And it's amazing in this moment, just seeing how God is moving in miraculous power, even when we can't physically be together. I was amazed when we saw our first healings online, our online church in just the chat room. I remember the very first person I prayed for in a chat room. They joined a chat room and we were typing comments to one another. And so I just typed a prayer, be healed in the name of Jesus. I, I command all pain to go and pressed send. And then I waited a few seconds and the lady responded. She said, all the pain in my neck instantly went as I received your typed prayer. That's amazing. You know, another man in our church called Chike. He'd been in a coma for six weeks from COVID uh, related complications. And we gathered together as a church online to pray on a Friday night. By Saturday morning, Chike was out of his coma. This is the gospel. This is fireplace with fire. Another one of our team members was just on our 930 online service. And uh, she reported back after the 9.30 service saying, we had 17 prayer responses this morning and most were direct responses to words of knowledge for healing. We had a shoulder that was significantly healed, a knee and a shoulder that was also healed, a partial healing of a right arm. And we also had many people encounter God and many who were feeling anxious, feeling his peace come. Someone else said this, that after prayer in an online chat room, that they'd been able to finally stop taking their anxiety medication, which they'd been taking for 22 years. I mean, that's phenomenal. And that's the gospel. The gospel is show and tell. Jesus is alive and he has good news for your body and for your mind, for your soul, for your whole life. And these things matter to God. And the provocation, I think, for us all in this season is, are you still pressing into God for miraculous power, even in the midst of all the mystery of uh, human fragility and human weakness and susceptibility to illness? And maybe many of us have experienced family members or loved ones who have either died recently or are suffering with Severe health issues. I know that I live with the daily reality that my wife, Carol, has ME and Lyme's disease and numbers of other things. And she is every day living with the reality of long term illness. 
And yet in the midst of it, we are contending for breakthrough. And friends, I'll just encourage you in the midst of the mystery, hold on to what you do know. And what we do know is this. Jesus is a healing, saving, miracle working God. And even sometimes if we have to wait years for the miracle, there is something about holding on to the coattails of Jesus that changes us on the inside. Even when we're living in the waiting, even when we're living in the mystery, we never once have permission to stop contending for breakthrough. And so I would encourage you in this moment, if you're living with any sense of disappointment over not seeing miracles, not seeing breakthrough, friends, can I encourage you just to keep going? Come back to Jesus. Come back to the Savior. Express your disappointment. He's able to handle it. Give that to him. Give it back to him as an offering and choose to worship him and say, God, would you give me faith for fresh signs and wonders in my life in this moment? This is the fruit of apostolic ministry. Fourth priority, fourth apostolic priority is that we see churches and disciples breaking new ground. Churches and disciples breaking new ground. Verse 20 of Romans 15, Paul says, It's always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known, so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Rather, as it is written, those who are not told about him will see And those who have not heard will understand. Paul's saying here, guys, my apostolic priority is to break new ground. In fact, if you read the book of Romans, you'll discover the only reason that Paul wrote Romans was because that he wanted to hop from Rome over into Spain. Now, isn't it amazing that sometimes the things that you think are incidental to your real destination can become the main thing. So for Paul, he ended up writing the book of Romans, which is probably the, the, the most amazing single piece of theology that's ever been written about the gospel and about God's purposes. And yet the reason Paul originally wrote it was because he wanted to get to Spain to preach the gospel and plant churches because his apostolic appetite and drive was to break new ground and to go where Christ was not known and to see what God would do in the unreached places of his day. And this is still our apostolic heartbeat to go and break new ground. Friends, where is God calling you to break new ground at the moment? Either as a church family or as individual families, individuals, where is God calling you to pioneer at the moment? You know, I've been so uh, fortunate to rub shoulders with some amazing pioneers through the years. And uh, four years ago, I got introduced to a man called uh, Valery Selezhenev, who is a apostolic uh, leader in uh, a group of churches that we work with in southern Russia. And uh, 15 years or so, uh, I think there were very few churches in southern Russia. But now under Valery's leadership, they've planted over 70 churches and to some incredibly tough places. So when I first met Valeri, he had just returned from a church planting expedition in Siberia. And in Siberia at that particular time, it was minus 25 degrees. The only way to get into the place he was preaching the gospel was on a snow sled. You had to cross over the ice. You know, there was no roads. There was no planes. You had to get on a ski sled and get, get across Siberia. And he he had just come back from preaching the gospel and seeing people respond to Christ. 
and he made the seven-day journey there and the seven-day journey back by car and then did it all again when we arrived and met him. And, you know, I was so inspired by Valeri's example, his drive to preach the gospel. I remember him taking me into the basement of his house and he showed me his sauna and his little plunge pool. And he said, in the era of communism, I baptised thousands of people in that plunge pool in my basement because his apostolic drive was to preach the gospel, to break new ground. See, ultimately, the great enemy of the church through history has not been conflict, it's been comfort. The church never does well when it gets too comfortable because history will tell us when we get comfortable, we stop being dependent on the Holy Spirit, we become slothful in prayer, our zeal levels can drop because we have everything that we need around us in a material sense. And comfort is so often the enemy of pioneering. And in this moment where we're facing conflict, where we're facing chaos, I actually believe God's going to cause fresh pioneering to pop out. Just this week, I was talking to some, some friends in New Zealand and they're saying during lockdown, they've planted a new site with 40 people. And also they're going to send one of their key leaders to start a new work in another city. And it's all come out of a season of chaos and conflict and restriction. And yet even in that, boop, the gospel and the kingdom is breaking forth. Where is God calling you to pioneer and break new ground? You know, it could be with an unreached people group. Maybe some of you are called to go to people that have never, ever heard the name of Jesus. You know, my friend Joy, she is working in a part of the world where there are no known believers. And I remember one Sunday sitting with her, having a coffee, and she said, Phil, I love praying for nations like France and Germany and Spain and America. That's great. Let's pray for those nations. But she said, can we please pray more for unreached people groups, for those that have never heard the gospel? She said that the, the tribal people that I'm amongst, there's 250,000 of them and there's not one known believer. There's never a, a single person who successfully planted a church amongst those quarter of a million people. She's like, please, will you remember them in prayer? Maybe some of you, God's calling you to unreached peoples. Maybe it's God's calling you to people who are just simply in need. And they live in places of need. Again, my friend Paula, a young single girl, felt called to move to Tijuana in Mexico, which is one of the drug capitals of Mexico. It's on the border of the US and Mexico, and it's a trafficking hotbed of all the worst kinds you can imagine. And cartels and gang violence are rife, and yet God called her to work amongst street workers in Tijuana. And there she is, just spending her life on behalf of the poorest of the poor, giving herself day to day to loving those who have nothing, who've been abused, who've been trafficked, who've been coerced and manipulated. And yet there she is, showing Christ to unreached peoples. Maybe God's calling you to people in need. Remember years ago, a friend of mine, Julian, he worked in an incredibly successful marketing job. He was a great marketer. And yet suddenly God gripped his heart for the poor. And I remember having meeting after meeting with him. He was, he was just agonizing, just saying, Phil, what do I do? I, I just, I can't get the poor off my head whenever I pray. I'm just, I'm thinking of them. 
And eventually he left his marketing job and he began to volunteer working amongst asylum seekers, a lot of whom were from places like Syria and Iran and Iraq. And he has now set up one of the leading charities in the whole nation working with asylum seekers. And he's now helped hundreds and hundreds and hundreds find hope because he got God's call to go to the unreached, to break barriers. Maybe it's a nation. You know, in our world of 7.1 billion people, there are still over 3 billion that have never heard of Jesus. They've never had a church planted. And the majority of those people live in the poorest and the most dangerous parts of the world. Most of them in either Muslim or Hindu majority nations. And that is our unreached playground of our generation. That's the, 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 the territory, as it were, that I believe as a people we should be praying, God, would you break through? And I was so heartened this last year uh, hearing my friend Mikhail, who's uh, a church leader in Turkey. And uh, he just sent a little report saying, yeah, it's been a, a difficult year, lots of opposition, lots of difficulty. But we planted seven churches and we've seen 341 people baptized and respond to the gospel. I mean, that is that is a provocation, isn't it? Maybe it's a nation that God's gripped your heart with. And, and this is the moment to say, God, would you send me? You know, breaking barriers could just mean going to your next door neighbor. It could mean knocking on the door and saying, is there anything you need? Can I be praying for you at the moment? You know, invite them into your home when you can. It may just be as simple as crossing the street to talk to someone and express hopes, express love. But an apostolic heartbeat is that we break barriers and find new ground for the gospel to bear fruit. So what is God saying to you about that in this season? And what are you going to do about it? And then lastly, the last apostolic priority we see in Romans 15 is Paul's heart to establish apostolic resource churches. To establish apostolic resource churches. In verse 23, we read this. But now that there is no more place for me to work in these regions, and since I've been longing for many years to visit you, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. I hope to see you while passing through and that you will assist me on my journey there after I've enjoyed your company for a while. Now, however, I'm on my way to Jerusalem in the service of the Lord's people. And it's interesting, isn't it, that Paul here says, I want to go to regions beyond because there's no place for me to work anymore amongst you. I want to get to Spain because actually my job's done. My job's done. And it's a strange concept, really, because there were obviously many unreached peoples in that area that still hadn't heard the gospel, hadn't responded. But Paul saw his task as complete. What did he mean? Well, I think Paul's heart was to plant and establish naturally multiplying resource churches in areas that would then naturally spread the gospel in their region. And he knew as as long as he could establish churches like that, then they would naturally get the job done without him. His job was to plant the seed and establish those kind of people who would then take the gospel to their region. And that's what we're believing for in Catalyst. We're believing for uh, lots of churches to be planted and some of them would be big, some of them will be small. But certainly we're looking to plant some resource churches. 
And I believe High Wycombe was one of those resource churches. You, you've already proved that in your history, that God has called you beyond just yourselves. He's called you to equip and give away to others, to be a church that others perhaps come to for a season and then get sent out to the nations. That's the kind of church God has called you to be. I like to think of them as aircraft carrier churches. Aircraft carrier churches are these churches that have massive resource. You know, you put an aircraft carrier in battle and its job is to to receive planes and to send planes. It's to refuel and to send out. It's to be a, a massive resource center for battleships and uh, uh, battle strategy. And I believe that God has called you to be an aircraft carrier church, the kind of church that is a massive resource center of receiving people, training, healing them up, introducing them to Christ, but then also sending them into the nation and the nations. I think if Paul were here, he'd say, my job's done with you because I've planted a resource church there that is going to serve the wider region. That's the kind of church God has called you to be. So in conclusion, what we're going after in Catalyst, what are some of our apostolic priorities? Well, just five things we see from this passage. Number one, we want healthy, mature disciples of Jesus, big people who know their God. Secondly, we want to see a multiplication of gifted men and women who are doing what God has called them. Thirdly, we want to be a people that move in the power of the Holy Spirit in introducing Jesus to people. Fourthly, we want to break new ground, whether it's crossing the street or crossing into an unreached people group. We are called to break barriers. And then fifthly, we want to see the emergence of apostolic resource churches that can send and deploy where God has placed them. Friends, there's good news today. The best days of the church are yet to come. And I'm going to be praying for you as a community. I can't wait to meet many of you in person. But today, why don't you take a moment just to reflect? What is God saying to me about these five things? And what do I need to do about it? What is God saying to you about these five things? And what is God calling you to do about it? Thank you so much for listening today. Thanks for your time. God bless you and hopefully see you soon.